Hello, visionaries. We at A Vision for You are very excited to bring to you an extraordinary bit of news today. We are ready to announce that the date has been set and the place has been let. A Vision for You presents The Power of the Big Book, a weekend of inspiration, education, and motivation. The date is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, October 30th, 31st, and November 1st of 2015, and being held at Wyndham Virginia Beach Oceanfront Hotel and Convention Center in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You will find all of the event details, including registration, lodging, and contact information for this upcoming spectacular event on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. The atmosphere will be electric. Plug in to the power. And good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 16th day of January 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. And we are uh, will be starting on page 38 with the second paragraph, you may think. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lauren S., the 12 Traditions, Sarah H., Deb W., Anita J., and Santa H. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 15th day of January, is 7188. 7188. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that, People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lauren S. to read the 12 steps, please. Hi. Lauren S., as in Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 
four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to help God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so, would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these we try to carry this message to, alco- to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Lauren S. I will now ask Sarah H. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Sarah H. Recovered for today in New York. The Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sarah H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 38. We will begin reading with the paragraph, the second paragraph, you may think. We are going to be reading two paragraphs and commenting on both. And I will ask Deb W. to get us started. Good morning. This is Deb W., Oklahoma Recovered Compulsive Eater. You may think our illusion is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strange, it's strong language, but isn't it true? Some of you are thinking, yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. We admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are we likely to, for we understand ourselves so well after what you told us, that such things cannot happen again. We have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. And that sounds like a statement from the intellect to me. Um, You know, I can identify in uh, that when I first came to program, of course I came looking for diet. I wanted to lose weight. Never thought it was a spiritual or um, any other type problem, but I I just wanted to lose weight. Um, I actually got in and was back-to-back abstinent for 17 years, and then I, a family tragedy caused me to go into relapse. Um, and, you know, I think on this line where it says, Yes, what you tell us is true, but it doesn't fully apply. Is that is where the biggest difficulty for most of us is? Is that we want everything to fit. First of all, we don't want to give up the binge food. We want to think it's totally ridiculous that I would have to uh, not be able to eat a food. You know, even you know, the rest of my life, we want to think that the idea that a food has control over my abilities, because we never have heard any such thing before we came into this group, we we hear on the line these, these people who have so many problems um, with this deal, so surely my problem isn't like theirs. I mean, they kind of sound extreme. It kind of reminds me of a friend of mine that I knew forever who was very obese and finally came to a meeting of OA and cried the whole meeting, never came back because she couldn't uh, deal with the idea of compulsive eating, loss of control, um, never being able to have a binge food. But our deal is 
that if you are one of us, because, you know, God bless those who are not one of us. God bless those who can look at the behavior and say that this doesn't work. I can do that for alcohol. This is not good for me. I need to stop it. But there are those of us who cannot, who have crossed that line. I was listening to a, a, a tape the other day, vision tape, where the speaker described the normal eater as a person who, when they get in trouble with food, that means they ate too much and they're miserable. They decide, they realize that the food is a problem, that I can't eat like this. This makes me sick, and they just don't have food uh, for another few days and until they get straightened out and go on about their life. Well, for a compulsive eater, food isn't our problem, it's our solution. And the problem is when the emotions, when the sadness, when the irritation, anger, resentments build to a point where our brains can no longer uh, be comfortable, our brain sends a message to eat food. The other day I had an issue that was so great. I had just ate my cereal and uh, it was so great. It was early in the morning and I, all of a sudden after my cereal, thought tomato juice would be, I mean, tomato soup would be the greatest thing in the world for me to have right now. I saw the vision in my head of having a bowl of tomato soup. But our brains and our emotions get so great that, you know, we want to eat something. Well, the intellect says, that's not good for you. Don't eat. That's bad. You'll gain weight. You'll be, it'll be terrible. Um. But whenever we... The intellect, okay, I'll wind it up. Whenever the intellect comes up to the emotion, the emotion wins out every time. So uh, I'm going to wind it up from there, uh, and I pass. Thank you, Deb W. from New York. Mary. Mary Day. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) One at a time, right? (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, All right, I heard Charles. I heard Lauren. Mary A. Mary. Okay. Matt, Julie, Julie R. Matt, Kim. Julie, Matt, Matt, Matt Julie, Larry. <laughs> Kim. Okay, no, let's go. Kim, did I hear Kim too? Okay. Yeah. Let, let me go through the list here. Uh, this is what I've got. Charles, Lauren, Mary, Matt, Julie, Larry, and Kim. Okay. Melissa And then we'll add some more later. Melissa, all right. That's Okay, let's start with this, guys. Charles, you're up. Hi, thank you, Monica, for your service, uh, and thank you all. Good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. And, uh, yeah, this paragraph was serious. We had a traffic jam yesterday um, on the paragraph prior to. So, yeah, I may think that this illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? Um you know, if, if I substituted binging for jaywalking, it would fit exactly. Um, yeah, the intelligence, right? Yeah. So newsflash, Charles, the disease doesn't care how intelligent I am in other respects. But where food has been involved, I admit that I have been a human crackpot, an obsessive and compulsive jaywalker time and time again, fracturing my skull, breaking my arms, breaking both legs, breaking my back over and over again. It's strong language. Yes, it is. The disease is strong. The affliction is strong. The addiction is strong. But the big book is stronger. The prefaces, the first 164 pages, the 12 steps of AA is stronger. 
Charles H., stop chasing what your mind wants, and you will get what your soul needs. I got to go back to 35, page uh, 35 with Jim. Um, he made a beginning, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. You know, I've got, you know what, like, I've got that imprinted in my mind. I need prayer and meditation like I need water and air. I'm not even going to mention food because obviously I need that. And, you know, I'm just going to share some hope. Like, you know, I work out a lot, right, but that doesn't matter. Like yesterday I took a break and, you know, um, I took a break yesterday and I feel good. Like I don't have to overdo things. One thing I have to make sure I do is crack open this big book and give it to somebody else. Because, you know what? I've been jaywalking for 40-something years, and it's hard to let go, right? I need to ensure that I know that, you know, yeah, I'm intelligent in other respects, but the disease don't respect that. The disease don't respect that. You know, this is the only, for me, this, when I put the white flag up and I surrender, I'm powerless over this disease by myself. So I need God because no human aid is going to help me. It ain't going to help me. But God, my God, my God will meet me. And I'm going to close with this. God will move the mountain if I bring the shovel. Every day I got to pick that shovel up. And that shovel, the name of my shovel is willing to do with that on my back. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Thank you, Charles. Lauren S., you're up. All righty. Lauren S. is in Sam, recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, we, we admit we have some of these symptoms, but have not gone to the extremes you fellows did, nor are likely to. Yeah, when I came in, you know, there were there were people who had jobs and and had had maybe a, a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I didn't have much coming in, but even though my life wasn't manageable and it wasn't a true joyful and peaceful filled life by any means, I still struggled to think I was insane in the beginning because I latched onto, well, I'm in school, I'm at college, I have an apartment, um, I'm not morbidly obese. I kind of kept just thinking there was more bottom to go to. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because a wise man that I often quote said, this is an inside job. This is an inside job. And here, we are not talking about food, and we're not talking about weight, and we're not talking about finance and relationships. We're talking about one thing or at least I am, it's can I see or can I not see the truth about what food does to me? And if I can, then I'm sane. And if I can't, then I'm insane. 
I can't see the full truth, especially when I'm as abstinent as I am now and I'm driven to pick up. I believe a lie. I'm in that delusion. And uh, I've learned that whether it's a high, you know, they call it a high bottom addict or you're a low bottom addict, it doesn't matter. Because the truth is, is if you're going to compulsively eat, you're going to compulsively eat the same way that is believing something that's not true. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Mary, you're up. And I didn't get the initial of your last name, Mary. A. Um, Mary A. Okay. Go ahead. And you can hear me. Let me set my timer. Yeah, me. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Mary from New Jersey. Absolutely grateful. And I know now that I am definitely recovered from the obsession. And that's all from learning from you. And, you know, when I think about insanity, I really couldn't wrap my my mind around that word. I didn't understand what that was. And I do now. And, you know, I was, I'm 65 now, but 29 years old, 129 pounds, convinced I was so fat. But, you know, my mom, we buried her at 350 pounds, 4 foot 11. So I'm sure I had this fear all my life. Every, I did everything. I would sit differently, look differently, anything. I thought that if I did that, I wouldn't get like my mom. Well, of course I did. But at 29 years old, I said, I have to do something. And the thought came, the crazy thought, the insane thought, that's where it was insane, was if I was to spit out my food. So I spit out my food by the cupfuls. And, you know, bulimia, I know now, is not just vomiting. There's all forms of bulimia, and mine was definitely that way. And But it wasn't until I found a design for living until I came to the rooms and realized that all my thinking around food were so, so wrong. And um, But that was the lie. I wasn't living in the truth about the food. And so I have found through living the steps, through immersing myself in this program, I have changed that, you know, that step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I say sane behavior, because without God, I could never have done this alone. And you know, the biggest thing I feel that these meetings are for are to share share my experience, strength, and hope. When I'm talking to people, instead of saying, putting fear on them, I'd say, if I did such and such, if I ate such a, a way, I would pick up. And so many times when I hear the recording, I hear people giving me advice. They get out of their experience, strength, and hope. They can turn it around. Instead of saying, I could say, I do this step the way that way. And, you know, when I hear, just, I couldn't believe it, just stop eating the food. Well, why would I be here if it could be that easy? Of course it isn't that easy. But that's my experience, strength, and hope. And one day I may come to OA. 
I'm not a member of OA. I'm a member of another group, but I get so much from me. But I am in New Jersey going to look for my first face-to-face. And there's my three minutes thing. Thank you, Mary. And Matt, you're up. Can you hear me, uh, Monica? Yes, I can, Matt. Go ahead. Everyone, hi, visionaries. My name is Matt Evans. I'm calling from New Jersey. I'm in East Coast. Um, this is very powerful stuff, these, these, these paragraphs. Here I'm starting to see where intellect and sanity come together, you know. All rationality leaves in these two paragraphs. It's amazing. That was me. I'm in a morbidly obese body, yet I don't think I'm one of you. Hmm. That's, that's the definition of insanity right there. Uh, I kept eating and eating, doing the same definition, is uh, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Like, I thought that I can go on eating, and I would become thin. I would go to bed and wake up thin the next morning. That's insanity right there. It, it's just amazing. Like, um, I always admit it. Yeah, I have an eating problem. Yes, um, um, I, I, I do binge on certain foods, this and that. But, you know, I, I'm really not that bad. So that's why I always, like, avoid looking in the mirrors and I always avoid, like, uh, uh, going out with people because I, you know, I didn't want to ruin their cars and why well, I didn't want to sit on people's furniture because I wasn't that bad, you know, so I was afraid of breaking it. No, no, not that bad. But for me, it's injurious. My bottom, I, I, I thought my bottom was never going to hit me. My bottom, I know my ultimate bottom for me, being that I'm a hardcore chronic alcoholic with food, is death. I know it is. That is, that is, that is my bottom right there. And I was close to it this year, and I'm telling you, you know what? Nothing, nothing is worth that hellish torture that it says um, that I've read before. Uh, I'll be going through, I'm going through that, you know. For me, I don't want that anymore. I want to have a clear head in the morning when I wake up. I don't want to wake up in the fog of the food. I don't want to wake up when I what like a hangover, like a drunk. I just want to be um, a much better person for myself and society. And this is what the program in the big book will give me. It'll give me a way of living. You know, it says, I, I know what it's like to drink. I know what it's like to eat. But the trick is to stay stuff. So to handle abstinence, not, like I like said, to handle sobriety, I want to learn how to handle abstinence by working the steps. Because it wasn't, it wasn't as hard as I thought to put down the food, but it's hard to stay abstinent. So thank you for that I passed. My name is Matt again, Matt M, and I'm from the East Coast. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And Julie, you're next. Hi, I'm Julie, recovered compulsive overeater in California, Julie R. And thank you, Monica, for your service. I love this um, paragraph. I have most of it highlighted because I have Julie next um, to the word jaywalker. Uh, The big book, I think, in the first 164 pages talks about insane and abnormal, I don't know, 13 or 14 times. I have a flawed way of thinking, so I will always turn into that jaywalker when I've had my alcoholic foods. I mean, I just look back at my history. You know, I've regained and gained 100 pounds, I don't know, four or five times and lower amounts in between, always with that first bite. And, you know, it talks about however intelligent we may be in other respects. I can remember many times being in a room filled with the defense contractors talking about space hardware, and all I could think about as I'm giving the presentation is how am I going to get those leftover muffins? How am I going to put them in my bag without anybody noticing me? You know, that is abnormal thinking. And I I love the movie Young Frankenstein, Abby Normal. I mean, that's me. And the fact that I will always, always react that way if I ingest 
any of my alcoholic foods. But on the flip side of that, once I'm recovered and I work this program, I live the steps, I stay close to my creator, food is neutral. I won't do that on a daily basis. So it's pretty exciting to know. It is sad, but it's exciting to know that, yeah, I was that jaywalker and I could become that jaywalker tomorrow if I choose to not seek God and if I choose not to do my 10 steps. So, yeah, I am abnormal when it comes to my thinking. And this, the whole book tells us about that. But it's exciting to know that that same person, me, today I wake up abstinent. I wake up my first thought, God, how could I be of service? And then I won't have to worry about jumping in front of a car. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie R. And Larry Kay, you're up. Hi, Monica. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, so we read here you know, more about the insanity. Um, you know, we have not lost everything in life through drinking, and we certainly do not intend to. Thanks for the information. Um, you know, I can, I can identify with that, walking into the rooms of uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I was looking to probably more so to identify out than I was looking to identify in. You know, the, pro- the problem with that was is, um, is that until I fully conceded to my innermost self that I was, you know, a, a real, uh, true compulsive overeater, that I was completely powerless that of my own accord, I could not, um, I could not save myself. <clears throat> I was kicking and thrashing in the quicksand, and I had to be saved. So a power greater than myself had to pull me and extract me from that quicksand. I could not think my way out of the quicksand. And the harder I thrashed, the quicker I was sinking. And, you know, it says here, you know, okay, yeah, there is a solution. Oh, but there's a problem. See, almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confessions of shortcomings, which this process requires for its successful consummation. See, I, 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 wanted, I wanted my food more than I wanted recovery. And so for a long time, even though I didn't know what I didn't know, I didn't know that there was this fourth dimension that I would be catapulted into as the result, as the result of these steps. That if I did these steps, I kept trying to think, no, this this doesn't make rational sense. It doesn't make sense that some steps are going to bring me into a new relationship with my creator. And wait a minute, I have advanced degrees. I have a roof over my head. I've got two cars. Who are you to tell me? And yet my life was still utterly unmanageable. And, you know, I was the guy that was married twice with two liposuction surgeries, you know, you know, harming, you know, one relationship after another. But I had my advanced degrees. Don't you tell me. You know, and then when the disease beats you into a state of reasonableness, maybe you're lucky enough to just give up and just work these steps and see what happens. Because, you know, if you come to these meetings and you never do anything, you're never going to get anything. God will never, will never do this for me. I had to be willing to go through a period of uncomfortability because putting the food down is uncomfortable. Addicts like to pick up our food and numb out. I had to put the food down, and with the uncertainty of not knowing what was happening, I had to trust the process 
and trust what I hear from other recovered people and then see for myself what happens. And that, thank God I did. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous that I was convinced. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Kim, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. I'm going to pick out two sentences here. However intelligent you may have been in other areas, other respects, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. We admit we have some of the symptoms, but have not gone to the extremes you fellows did. And I have to tell you, you know, I got a graduate degree in relapse. This has nothing to do with my intelligence. You know, and I think the reason that this jaywalker is so hard for us is because of what the doctor's opinion tells us. It tells us we cannot differentiate the true from the false, and our alcoholic life is the only normal one. We can't see outside of our own thinking. So I think of myself and how I have gone the gamut in this disease. You know, I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I'm a size 24. I, I do laundry in my parents' house. I walk up a step of fl- a flight of stairs, and I can't get my breath, and I rationalize it has to do with my family history and my... Uh, my DNA with high bad knees and all these different things. You know, I, I, I dabble in bulimia. But you know what? My sorority sisters, they throw up 30 times a day. I only throw up three times a day. So I'm very dependent on, on um, exercise. So I would run 10 miles on a Saturday morning. I wouldn't be able to get off the couch till Sunday because my hip would work so, would hurt so bad. But that's not a big deal because I'm not, I'm not obese anymore. You know, I got down to a size two and I lost my period and my hair's falling out. But you know what? That doesn't really matter because I'm thin. So I can't understand how I'm a jaywalker, as, even though I'm from a size two to a 24 insane, because I cannot differentiate the pulse and I, my alcoholic life is the only normal one. You know, I think to myself, my friend is a doctor, and I remember one time she called me and she had a patient that was 450-some-odd pounds was having toes removed the next day from her diabetes. And she went to see her the night before, and she could not believe it because the woman was sitting there with her family eating cheesecake. How in the world could she eat cheesecake knowing that she's having her toes amputated the next day? And my thought, being a compulsive overeater, was, well, you're already losing your toes. Why not enjoy the cheesecake? So how in my mind that would think, enjoy the cheesecake since you're losing your toes anyways, not understand the jaywalker because my mind is that sick. And I'm just going to end with this. Thanks for the information, which is what I thought when I came into OA. 12 weeks, 12 steps, I'm out of here. And let me tell you, this is not about spiritual information. This program is about a spiritual transformation. So it's not about learning the steps. It's actually about doing the steps that's going to give you the freedom that I have today. And the freedom I have today is I do not want my binge foods. I do not white-knuckle it. I do not have to do enough tools to keep me distracted today. I work these steps on a daily basis. I do not want the food, so I do not pick up the food, which means I do not trigger the allergy, which means I do not live in that vicious cycle of the doctor's opinion. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Melissa C., you're up. Hi, this is Melissa C., a compulsive overeater from New York. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think back to, um, you know, my first time coming into OA a number of years ago, just wanting to lose weight. And, um, 
you know, these stories of jaywalkers, and, and I only look to identify out. Please just hand me your diet. Let me lose weight so I can become normal, because that's what I thought at that point in my life, that um, it was just a weight issue. And, um, you know, I needed to go out and suffer a lot more. Um, and now I see that, you know, I am the jaywalker because my um, my impulses are, are to hurt myself, you know, whether it's with food or excessive spending or overworking. Um, I, I don't know moderation. And so for me, you know, my alcohol foods, I need to steer clear of them. I, you know, like I have to stay out of the street. I cannot play in traffic. I cannot get near it. And, um, and without a spiritual transformation, I have no choice but to run back again um, and, and do the things which hurt me. And, um, you know, I'm just, I grow more and more grateful that my disease got so bad because what I really needed was a transformation. I needed to change Melissa, not just Melissa's weight. You know, I thought it was just Melissa's weight. But um, if that would have been the case, then, you know, losing over 100 pounds over and over again would have been enough to make me normal. But, you know, I had lost weight, um, and I was still abnormal because I was still a victim of my impulses. I, I needed to be transformed so that, you know, now this morning when I wake up, um, you know, my meditation is, uh, God, how can I serve thee? What, what can I do today that's um, better for the world and not just better for my impulses, not just getting my fix? And um, I'm so relieved that I'm back. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Rick Hesset. I'd like to share. Do Al. Uh, Ra- Leia. Wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I got Rick Hesset. And uh, I heard Leia down the road. There was people in between. And Vasa. Vasa. Okay. Who else just spoke up? Do. No. Well, somebody else. I, I, but I got you, Do. Um, who else? Okay, well, we'll go with what we got right now. Rakafit, Vasa, Leia, Du. Rakafit, you're up. Thank you, Monica. Um, this is Rakafit Z, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And what I want to comment on is that statement that we haven't gone to the extremes you fellows have, and we doubt we ever will. So that sentence, for me, I have to add one word, an operative word. I have to add... I haven't gone to the extremes you fellows have yet, yet, because I did a lot of yets when I came into program. I was a food addict my whole life, compulsive overeater my whole life, but when I came into program, that's when I really took off like a rocket. I started doing things I had never done before when I couldn't keep my abstinence. When I couldn't keep my abstinence, I started stealing food with impunity from the refrigerators at work where my coworkers stored their food. I started eating a whole cake for breakfast on the way to work, before breakfast. And that I had never done before. I, I, you know, I ate a dozen donuts day after day as a snack before breakfast. I had never done that before. And I gained 30 pounds in five weeks. 
I had never gained that much weight so quickly. So there were a lot of yets that I got to do when I got into program because I wasn't as bad, but I sure got as bad. I couldn't, you know, I remember so many times lying on the floor in the living room in a fetal position, holding my stomach with excruciating pain because I had eaten so much. And I just prayed to God that I would never eat again if, if he got me through this. Never. Just take the pain away. But I was ready to eat. As soon as the pain went away, I was ready to eat again. So there's a lot of yets, and I'm sure there's more yets for me that I could reach if I wanted, if I didn't do this program. I'm praying to God every day that I don't have to reach those yets. But I know they're out there. I know they're out there. There's always another bottom. There's always more, worse ways I could harm myself. But as long as I stay spiritually fit and work my program, then I'm okay for today. So thank you for letting me share it. I pass. Thank you, Rakefit. And Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and good morning, everybody. And I am Vasa O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. And, boy, you know, I used to think, you know, again, I shared yesterday about a jaywalker. I'm saying, how, how can anybody get a thrill out of, you know, walking on the street and getting hurt over and over? You know, I, and then, of course, I got it later, you know, when I read it over and over, and I, and, and it was exciting. To me, I couldn't identify with him, but I could identify with the alcoholic and the compulsive overeaters. But that was the truth, you know. For me, I kept kept on doing the same thing over and over, and except and expecting something different. But anyways, uh, I didn't get to the extreme yet, you know. When I came to the program, no, I wasn't 100 pounds overweight. I was 150 yet. I was like only 30 or 35 pounds overweight, but it was progression, you know, for me. I don't know where I'll be today. I'd be probably dead if I did not find a program. But anyways, I knew deep down by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was ready to admit I was powerless over the food, and I could not, st- I could not stop it, stop, and I could, uh, could or control it by myself anymore. And it doesn't matter what level I was, you know, but I just knew deep down I was just going to die if I did not get the suggestions that I laid out in this book. Uh, It was going to just kill me. I thank God for the person that uh, 12-stepped me and brought me into the program uh, to my first meeting, and I found the hope that I had lost hope. I had given into the food addiction before that, not too long. I don't know how long before I came to the program. I couldn't do it anymore by myself, and I just gave up. I just said, nothing is working anymore. So she shared her own her, her own experience, strength, and hope, and she gave me hope, and I, and I was ready to surrender to God and the program and, you know, the fellowship and the 12th steps, you know, one step uh, uh, at a time, the way they are laid out, starting the steps, and I asked God. That was the most important thing that I wanted. Just I wanted to lose the weight, and somehow I thought if I lost the weight, I was going to leave. You know, why would I want to stay there if I've lost the weight? I thank God I just 
stayed and listened even after I lost the weight that, you know, and I kept on hearing, you know, if you don't work the steps, you know, if, you don't, if you're not spiritually fit, you know, you're going to go back into the food addiction. And I never left. I never left. Thank you, God, you know. I'm still here after many years. And, you know, and that's what's about now. It has been given to me so freely, and I want to pass it on to others. And I'm just so grateful, you know, that I can do today. So thank you for letting Shana pass. Thank you, Vasa. Leah, you're up. Thanks so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. However intelligent we may have been in other respects where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. You know, the big book is definitely uh, teaching me here, you know, that the type of insanity that they're discussing here is the insanity that takes control of us before we pick up that first bite, the insanity that makes us take that first bite, that obsession of the mind that drives out any thought to the contrary. And certainly that was my experience and my disease picked up speed. You know, I came into rooms of OA at age 19. I was there for five years uh, loyally as my disease progressed, you know, because this powerlessness meant that even after I learned all about my illness, even after all its increasing damage, even after the continued torture, the anguish, the mental turmoil, all the medical consequences that were building up, all the explanation of this disease that was given to me in excruciating detail, I would still go out and pick up that first bite. And that would occur when I was abstinent. That would occur when I was food sober. And that's the insanity that I had to kind of wrap my brain around. That meant the powerlessness of a situation where I had absolutely no defense against that first bite. You know, that I was pummeled, that I was hopeless, that the result of all this pain and anguish was that I ended up with an implosion into helplessness. I had to concede to my innermost self that I had no power, that based on my own actual experience and any type of knowledge about this disease and any type of awareness about this disease, I still found myself in a deep pit of personal powerlessness. And, you know, how absurd this is because I was self-destructing by my own hand under the guise of easing comfort. But it was excruciating, and I was the creator of this pain. No one's doing this to me. The big book calls this a self-imposed crisis. That's why I needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind. And I had the opportunity to pursue that and have the results of that through the process of these 12 steps because these steps are designed to relieve me of that mental obsession, restore me to sanity so that I can see the truth. I have wholeness of mind. I have a complete mind. I have a mind who can see the whole truth about my my allergy of the body, and I can make decisions based on that truth. And that is a result of the program of recovery and a relationship with God today that has restored me to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Du, you're up. Good morning. This is Du L, a Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Thank you very much, Monica, for your service. I did want to also touch on that paragraph. It says, those who have been through the ringer 
have to admit, if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. And where alcohol had been involved, we had been strangely insane. And I wanted to touch on that because, you know, I, I hear a lot um, in the rooms, it's, it's about putting down the behavior and, and, you know, and then everything will be okay if you work the steps and, and you know, and the big book is very clear. If you're the real deal, if you're the real alcoholic, it says on page 21, when he begins to lose control of all his liquor consumptions once he starts to drink. So, you know, we have to keep in mind we have a twofold disease. One is the physical allergy. So once I put in my foods or whatever substances in my body, it's going to create a chemical, physical reaction in my body. It is not just behavioral. It is physical. The, the second thing is I have a mental obsession. And the mental obsession, according to um, page 23, is not just academic where I put the behavior down, I put the food down, I put all these things down, and then all of a sudden everything's okay. No, it says here that, therefore, the main problem centers around the mind rather than the body. So my greater aspect is the mind. What's wrong with my mind? My mind is that I believe the lie, and I'm obsessed with that lie. The lie is that someday, somehow, I will beat the game. I will control my eating. I will be like a normal person. And until I fully concede that I am a real, I am the real deal, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm a high bottom. It doesn't matter if I'm a low bottom. It matters that I am powerless, that I have no control over my thinking or my food. That is what I need to fully concede as, as a compulsive overeater. Once I know that, then I can work these steps. Because if I don't know that, then I'm not going to need a power greater than myself. I'm not going to chase after the solution. The solution is I need a power greater than myself. I need to be able to in tune into that and to be relieved of the obsession. And I can't do it by myself. No human aid. No human power. You know, if I think I can do this, then I'm, I'm headed for big trouble. If I think I can still control it, I'm headed for big trouble. Because my history, my first step history should show me already, should show me, my own history should show me that I have not been able, and all my countless vainless attempts, like the jaywalker, have led me back to being pummeled, beaten, and, and bloodied all over the place. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to, if I am the real deal. Now, if you're not the real deal, maybe you can get away with it. Maybe, thank you, no thank you, please. You know, but it says, those who have been through the ringer, those who know that once they put in that first bite, once they leave the first bite, thank you, they, they cannot control it. They know they're the real deal. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duke. And we've only got a few minutes left this morning, so would anyone else like to comment on these two paragraphs? We'll just stay right here. Mary Ellen B. from Florida. Mary Ellen B. Okay, anybody else? Okay, go up, Mary Ellen. Thanks. Um, yeah, we admit we have some of these symptoms, but we have not gone to the extremes you fellows did. Um, I came into the rooms a couple years ago, and, you know, I heard your stories, and I'm like, you know, that's, there are some pretty extreme things here, and, you know, I haven't gone there. Um, but I was close to 300 pounds, so, you know, there was definitely something going on. Um, and then I just wanted to 
you know, comment that, um, you know, so I got a sponsor. I, um, I joined the fellowship. It was awesome. I came out of desperation and isolation and, you know, suicidal thinking. And um, I lost my sponsor after eight months. And so back at the bottom of this paragraph, it says, thanks for the information. At this point, I thought that, you know, I knew enough. I had learned enough that I could do this on my own. And, um, you know, sure enough, I went into relapse, and um, it didn't matter about my self-knowledge. My self-knowledge meant nothing. And um, I did realize through my experience that um, I was having some physical recovery, and I was working a food plan, but it was the mentality of a diet um, with the fellowship. And I'm so grateful to say that uh, through A Vision for You, I am working with a sponsor, doing my four-step. I'm uh, in recovery, and um, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm grateful for all of you, for the support you've given me, and for the service you do. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Ellen. Would anyone else like to comment? We've got a few more minutes. I'll share Mary Lillian right near Philadelphia. Mary? Yes, uh, um, listed in the book as Mary Lillian. It's a rare little name. Go ahead, Mary Lillian. I didn't get the the second part. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, Lillian, L-I-L-L-I-A-N, Mary Lillian. Um, Thank you so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. Um, I want to focus on uh, the the sentence that talks about uh, the, the, uh, obviously, the mental obsession that develops and um, for me, um, I, there was a very large physical component with my um, compulsive overeating. It started extremely young when I was five, six years old running around. My mother used to have to hide all the sweets. And I have to say, I don't know why, it doesn't even matter why, but there is some type of physical payoff that I was getting from eating food. And the, uh, just like uh, mentioned in passing, with alcohol, there is a physical payoff, and that had such an imprint when I began this bizarre, bizarre binging. And the <clears throat> mental obsession uh, obviously is a greater part of the addiction, but there was always this physical um, aspect of me being drawn to the food, which created for me this incredible powerlessness. And... Um, I always go back once again to the doctor's opinion. We have to consider the three elements. Our body is as thick as the mind, and the two combined, I understood uh, what I had to do to get it under control rather than why. We don't know. But I'm just grateful, and for me, like I say, the physical was a very powerful component for me along with the mental obsession. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Mary Lillian. And this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in for just a moment here. Uh, Monica T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? Hell yeah, I thought this was ridiculous, this story of the jaywalker the first uh, multiple times that I read it. And uh, it was like, well, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense at all to me. And then one day it was like, duh, Monica Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink. And one day it dawned on me, well, Monica, you're doing the same thing. All the incomprehensible um, behavior that I did over and over and over again. 
expecting a different result. Now, wasn't that just insanity? An, un, an inability to think straight, and that's what insanity is. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass, and we've come to the end of our time. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Anita J., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Me? I, Anita? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, okay. There's an echo, though. Wait, wait a minute. I'll get rid of that. I have a visionary visiting me, and she was listening on another phone. Oops. Okay, okay, you're clear now. Um, so Anita J. recovered in Massachusetts. Very grateful. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will consistently, constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of a happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.